You're about to listen to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast brought to you by the Denver Chop House. The Denver Chop House is located at 19th and Wine Coop. Stop on in, Rockies fans, Broncos fans, Nuggets fans, and even Avalanche fans. The best team in Colorado, perhaps the Colorado Avalanche. Belly up to the bar at the Chop House, try one of their mini craft beers, sit down, have a nice steak, maybe a sandwich. Go there for brunch, dinner, lunch, dinner, whenever. Visit the Denver Chop House. They love us. We love you. Now enjoy the show. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? We're back in the palatial studios for the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. With me, as always, Ross Hipster's Glasses Martin. Howdy, folks. Let me tell you what Melba Toast is packing right here. All right, we got 411 Positive Track Outback, 750 <laughs> Double Pumper, Edelbrock Intake, Sport Over 30, 11 to 1 Pop Up Pistons, Turbo Jet, 390 Horsepower. We're talking some fucking muscle. <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Yeah. Making his way all the way down here from Thornton, we got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? And it's nice to be back in the Palatial Studios, looking at all the lovely jerseys again. And But it was great being at Jake's Food and Spirits. Uh, the hospitality of Andrew Feinstein was quite good, the owner of Jake's Food and Spirits. But yeah. it's really nice being home. I'm missing know, my, uh, my Caprice burger and my ahi tuna crisps. Caprice? I think he means Caprese. Nope, Caprese. <laughs> I pronounce them how I read them, and I was American. <laughs> no, that's, uh, yeah, it was, it was the uh, Chevy Caprese. Well, we had that, uh, Feinstein uh, wanted us to try the ahi tuna crisps. Delicious. They were very good. As always, but we are, of course, here. Ross is back from assignment, as you could tell from his introduction. Yes, yes, he yes. Is NASCAR through I and through. I love them Denver Nuggets players, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> That is very true. That is true. I like it. So we got probably a few things to talk about. We'll maybe talk Broncos, Nuggets, Rockies, Avalanche. I don't know. We'll hit on some of those. Probably hit or miss on a few. We're not going to talk about the Avalanche. But uh, let me tell you, while while you guys have been doing your uh, podcast the last few weeks, which have been fantastic, I must say, I've been watching just straight Matthew McConaughey things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dallas True, Buyers Club? Dallas Buyers Club. I don't know where that accent True, came from. True yeah. Detective. Those <laughs> yeah. who are familiar with Man- Matthew McConaughey's body of work will have heard, understood my first quote. Which or, was, or his body. <laughs> or his body, yeah. <laughs> uh, my first couple, the first two things I said about on the show were all dedicated to Matthew McConaughey. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I, I've been spending absolutely... I would say zero to less than zero amount of time focusing on sports. Mm-hmm. Yet now there has been a lot of stuff going on surrounding the Broncos. Uh, it's now free agent day or signing weekend or something yeah. like that, which always kind of is not interesting to me. The last time it was was when the Broncos signed Peyton Manning, uh, which uh, you know we have famously predicted here on this podcast after famously uh, <laughs> saying it was never going to happen. <laughs> I figure the Broncos probably need to sign the aliens from Space Jam in order to have a better team or something. I agree. 
they were just that foot that Super Bowl just destroyed you too, didn't it? It destroyed me, man. <laughs> I still can't even even think about it. They got they got master blasted. I, 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 I was trying to like little. I was trying to do some research for some headlines today, which will, there will be none. There will be no headlines <laughs> today because I was trying to look up headlines, and then it just got me thinking about that goddamn Super Bowl, and it just broke my heart all over again. I can't I can't deal with it. I, I'm not equipped. I don't want to have the. I haven't heard anything with. Uh, I mean, who are the Broncos' key free agents they could lose? They cut Champ Bailey. Uh, Eric Decker is free to sign with whomever he pleases. The cornerback situation, did they resign Rodgers Camardi? Is he still out there? He is a free agent and certainly oh. shopping his wares like a whore. Who cares? Smart. Who cares? Speaking of wares, wasn't uh, Dominique Ware on the, on the table today? I think I heard something like that. Demarcus Ware? Demarcus Ware. Ooh, the Cowboys guy? Wasn't he uh, on the table, something about that? What table? Training table? The uh, Massage table. The negotiation table. Broncos table. Oh, it's oh, always a good. possibility. Yeah. It's always a possibility from what I've heard. Hopefully Not, they signed some good They signed some guy, TJ Ward, who played for the Browns. I know the Browns had a pretty good defense because I used them in fantasy football here and there. <laughs> But other than that, I don't know. I, I'm not is, that, that. is that why you got obliterated in fantasy football? Is because you had so many Browns players? No, I think I took third place in my league. Pretty good. Didn't third place. Third, there was, third. It was one of those four-team leagues. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Three out of four. One of those, uh, they call them the hyper-premium uh, leagues where, you know, you just test your medal against other guys. It was mm. tough. I saw Chris Johnson from the Titans got cut. So he's out there if anybody wants that trash. Boy, didn't he sign like a massive contract like just a couple of years ago? Yeah, I like the NFL contracts. Like whenever they come out, you read like such and such signed for $48 million, $8 million guaranteed. And to me now, I've trained myself to know that that contract's only worth $8 million. It's an $8 million contract. He might get somewhere near <laughs> $11 million, but he's never sniffing $50 million. I mean, they are going to cut you. I don't know. What, what does Willie Beeman say any given Sunday? When you guys go to wave me, trade me, whatever it is y'all do, I'm going to be worth twice what I was before I came here. Good being. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah, it really is. Those contracts, you know, you're like, you always go look what? at what they're guaranteed, and that's what the contract is. So, so we're going to talk about that more. I think we just talked about right, it. It's covered. Good. <laughs> now, um, let's talk about the Broncos. Wesley Woodyard uh, is you, gone. Oh. Wesley Woodyard. Wait, what happened to him? He's not gone, but he's gone. Like, yeah, he's gone. You see, the Broncos will not. Like Casey him. Affleck, gone, baby, gone, or gone? Like, uh, as in Wesley Woodyard has outlived his. Um, I don't know how to put this, but he he useful. is no. Yeah, he's no longer useful to the Denver Broncos, and therefore he is on the free agent market. And by that, I mean he is like all other free agents. Not wanted by the team that had them. So do you guys, and therefore free agency in the NFL, <laughs> with the one exception of when the Broncos got Peyton Manning, is totally irrelevant. And uh, let, let's put it this way: no team is going to make it or break it based upon what they do during free agency in the off season. So, do you think then? Do you guys think that the Broncos can they get back to the Super Bowl next year, or do you think that that window has maybe closed for Denver? Like, because free agency should be the place where Denver fills some holes on that defense that they're filling them with old people. Well, yeah, Dallas. like Jared Allen. I keep hearing he Jared Allen is going to be a Denver Bronco next season. I'd say that's about five months too late. <laughs> yeah, uh, possibly <laughs> six years too late. Uh, that's great if they bring in Jared Allen. He certainly could help, but I. 
I'm just I'm too. You asked a question: Do the Broncos get back to the Super Bowl next year? And I have to say, I have no idea. I'd like to say yes. Talk to me in August. I'll say they'll go to the Super Bowl and win it because that's what I've done every year. Yeah, since and childhood. I've been right twice. Most people are not. No, most people have not picked the Super Bowl winner twice in their life. Never. At the beginning of the season, mm. I've done it twice. Yeah. Um, I did pick the Broncos to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl this year, so I got half right. But let me tell you, the the Broncos need an attitude adjustment above anything else. Tougher. They need to get tougher. Yep. I mean, so if the Broncos even even if they would have won the Super Bowl last year, would it have would it have been that special of a moment since Yes. We've already experienced it twice though. It would have been very special. You think? Don't be ridiculous. See, I it for me Why I, being ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, be for, ridiculous. For me it's like, yeah, I I I couldn't get emotion. I mean, I wasn't as emotionally invested in this run as I was in the one in ninety seven and ninety eight. I, but well, it's you know. funny too because you look at like the Broncos and you think, okay, so they've been to what countless Super Bowls now practically, and you think part of you thinks, well, they're kind of a loser franchise, right? They get there, they get their butts kicked, whatever. But then you think about the Nuggets, and it's like, they've never been there. Never been there. And then you think about the Avalanche, and have the Avalanche lost in the Stanley Cup Finals? They have not. They're undefeated, so it's like... Undefeated, and they've had two? Three, at least? Two. 95, two. And 2001. Yep. I thought they won at 96, too, or something. Two, dog. Two? I think Jeff's wrong as shit on this. <laughs> I think it's I'm two. I think one was... Uh, yeah. <laughs> why, why are you well, saying... Well, I, well, the, one was Ross the, is saying it, too. <laughs> one was the uh, Ray Bork one. I'm yeah. using the internet. And then 96 was... Why are we even pretending like we even care, though? Like, like that even factors into our championship, uh, you know, the notches on our bed. Because they might be the best-run franchise. Listen, all it is is a bunch of white people watching, you know, ice skating. I don't understand what you mean by that. What's wrong with white people? Jeff hates the whites. <laughs> It's true, you know, politically speaking, the gays have to align themselves with non-whites so they can get their guys elected, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, all, all those gay politicians <laughs> when they're running. <laughs> Johnny Weir runs. I'm voting for him. Well, we're waiting for Nate Timmons to look up. How many <laughs> this is just podcast thing right Yeah, 95, 96, 2000, 2001. So just so it's three. So what? No, I mean, no, come no, on. Well, you it. call yourself an Evelyn. You're the only, there's the one person here who has paid any modicum of attention to the hockey. I'm also probably the only person here that's held the Stanley Cup. <laughs> you True have? story. You have? Yeah, we were, my buddy used to date uh, Jacques Cloutier's daughter, so he had the cup at his house. Who is Jacques Cloutier? And that guy sounds like he has a hot daughter. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> former, <laughs> former NHL goalie, also former defensive coach for the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, yeah. I bet his daughter is super hot, or was super hot in 2001. She might have been, man. I don't know. I was blind back then. I couldn't see any. <laughs> So the Avs are still good, though. I mean, the a- the Avalanche might have the best shot at bringing home a title because they're going to go to the playoffs. They, the Nuggets aren't going to the playoffs this year. No, well, they're and, not. And, and, and that's interesting because all we really want to talk about tonight is the Nuggets. And so let, why don't we just stop with the riffraff talk and all these other well, secondary I got, I got one sports? I've one more cool Avs thing. So okay. think of all the good all right. players that okay. they've had. Okay. They reached 40 wins faster this year than any other time in their history. That's kind of crazy to think when you had those rosters stacked with... I mean, the Avs for a while were the Yankees of the NHL. They bought and paid for the best teams possible. That's an interesting way to put that. The Yankees of the NHL. 
even though I would the, say the Montreal Canadiens would probably be the Yankees of the end. That, I would say that too because they have something like twenty five championships or whatever. Yeah, but I Yankees mean, are somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty six, twenty seven, something like that. During that time, but during period, that when time, the Avs they were on top. Anytime a name came up for a trade, the Avs got them. Rob because they Blake, were buying Theon Fleury. Them. They were buying these guys. Right, and that's yeah, what you're Patrick saying. Patrick Waugh, I mean, they were just going out there swinging for the fences every time. It was awesome. Didn't they trade for Patrick Waugh? They, they traded uh, yeah. uh, Abisher for... Uh, they traded so many... I don't think they traded Abisher for him. They traded... I think Stefan Fassay might have been a guy. I don't know. I mean, yeah. they, they traded... Also, oh, not David like Abisher. Abisher was after that. Yeah, you're right. By the way. Stephane Why do I know Fassay that? Sounds like he has a hot daughter also. Yeah. but I mean, is, it, that, is that just a French thing? Is it a French-Canadian thing? <laughs> from a perspective, think, yeah, of, man, think of how many be. times you've gotten to a trade deadline where the Rockies haven't done shit, where the Nuggets haven't done shit, and where the Broncos haven't done shit. And the Avalanche... For you know, from what ninety, from the time they got here until the early two thousands, were making huge trades. I mean, that's that's what you want to see from the Broncos. They should have traded for Jared Allen last year when the Nuggets were you know going through their heyday with Carmelo and them. Yeah, make some big deals with the Rockies. You know, make a couple moves that might put you over the top after you go to the World Series. You know, when you're trying to make some plays. So, as far I as know, I know, I, the Avs didn't do that this year. They didn't make any trades, any big trades. Did Paul Stastny? Is he still on the? They kept Stasny and they made like a couple minor deals, but I mean that there was that heyday there where the Avs were really, I mean they they're swinging for the fences where it was like, man, I wish some of the teams I followed more closely were doing that same thing. I have a feeling that that had something to do with the strike, and then all of a sudden the strike happened and collective bargaining agreements got in the way, and now they can't do it anymore. I mean I have no uh, foundation upon which I make that statement, but it just seems to me that that's how it is because if the the Avalanche could have continued doing that than they would have. Yeah. Right? I think they, I mean, they stole the major trade piece like every year for like four or five years. That was pretty sweet. And I bet it was awesome. If you're an, a, a hockey player and you want to go chill out in the city and win a Stanley Cup, you're like, yeah, I'm going to Denver. Denver, baby, yeah. Probably not a bad place. Yeah, I, I kind of like it here. Would be even better, too, because they don't test for marijuana in the NHL, so you could trade for all sorts of guys here. Oh, good, good, good question here. Or good point. I've been hearing about the NFL, and this is probably old news, but the NFL is talking about maybe uh, allowing marijuana to be uh, uh, an acceptable drug underneath the uh, drug testing policies. They're thinking, should we continue to allow our players to get addicted to opiates to where they then have to get into heroin, or should we try something else at some point in time? But then I can fast forward like three years, and they're like, well, the NFL allowed these players to smoke drugs <laughs> instead of getting the proper the proper uh, physician-diagnosed uh, treatments, as in taking oxycodone, oxycontin, and, and Percocet and whatnot. That's my by far my favorite of his voices right there. <laughs> and you have all these suits about NFL players, how their lungs are all messed up. Yeah. Like, I was inhaling this They're stuff for years. Yeah, but they got candy now, you know? You know, uh, I always <laughs> yeah. talk about how um, my dad always said that the, the answer to nine questions out of ten is always money. Well, in Colorado, the answer to nine questions out of ten is always weed. It's true. It's always marijuana. I, I, did, I saw a report today that Colorado got $2 million of tax money already from uh, weed. I'm sure that'll be wisely spent. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure gonna, they'll spend that on... Schools just, are going to be I'm sure, well run. I'm, I'm sure, sure we'll them see to fewer potholes all over this uh, godforsaken shit town. Potholes from pot money? Potholes for pot money? <laughs> yeah. 
Sad state of affairs. Let me know when you guys want to talk about True Detective, and I'll, and I'll just uh, actually, you know, I'll just uh, go ahead. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, at the end of the the program, I kind of want to bring this up, but right now we're going to seg into. It is 2014. Denver Nuggets. It is 2014, which would mean it is 20 years since Jeff Morton has uh, had the privilege of paying attention to the Nuggets. <laughs> Uh, everything that you've been talking about on this podcast for the past two years, Jeff, <laughs> has led the me to this now, moment. Is now relevant. Relevant. <laughs> I said. I said relevant. 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 Well, this is. We all live through it. And I'm looking up on the wall, the the Palatial Studios, and there is a Lafonso Ellis jersey that is signed by one Lafonso Ellis. Yeah, and there's also a Jalen Rose jersey over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's both in the wine and navy blue. I was telling a few of the players when they were they were doing a photo shoot with those old jerseys, and I was telling them that my first Nuggets jersey was a Jalen Rose jersey. And not only did they seem surprised by that purchase, but they also seemed surprised that Jalen Rose played for the Nuggets at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he was is, only on, on the Nuggets for two years. That is a good point. I mean, Jalen Rose was a fantastic NBA player. He had a long career, and now he, has a, uh, he is considered one of the great minds in NBA punditry. So, but he's not. He's got a podcast. He's not that. remembered as a Denver Nugget. That's for sure. No, I, I I cannot tell you guys how excited I was when the Nuggets drafted Jalen Rose. Oh, me too. They did down. draft him, right? Yep. Yep. The Fab Five was one of my favorite uh, teams. I mean, I didn't have a lot of college basketball to watch when I was growing up. Yet the Fab Five just totally. Captured me. I loved those guys. All right, name mm-hmm. the Fab Five. Go. Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, Juwan Howard, Ray Jackson, and Jimmy King. Boom. Speaking, how many how many games did Jimmy King play for the Denver Nuggets? Jimmy King. Yep. I didn't even know he ever played for the Denver Nuggets. He did. But I'll go with two. He he played two. Ah, look at that. Look at that. Um, but uh, 90, yeah, ninety five, ninety six. I read the book. Uh, I read the book, The Fab Five, by Mitch Album. Oh yeah, that was the was, first book I ever read. It was not the first book I ever read. <laughs> first book, you but ever uh, read. teachers gave me other books. I, I think threw I, those in the trash. I think I read maybe the James and the Giant Peach and uh, <laughs> say, Danny right. the Champion of the World or something. Charlie but, and the Chocolate Factory. But uh, but the Fab Five book by Mitch Album was so good, and I loved mm-hmm. it, and I read it over and over again while listening to Boys the Men Two that album in my headphones. <laughs> listening to that on many road trips to <laughs> Moab and and uh, Glacier National Park growing up. And boys, I'll and make love to you. Not that. That was yeah. a Cooley High Harmony, I think. Not That was not Boys oh, and Men. I'm sorry. Tree. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, ABC's BBDs. <laughs> the East Coast family. No, it was uh, I like this. I like this. <laughs> it was that one. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ross Martin. Not a, not a not member a, of Boys and Not a hip hop uh, yeah. singer or uh, R&B <laughs> singer. But I, I love that. And then so the next thing I, I see is Mitch Album has another book. Let's go get this. It's going to be about sports. Who's this? Tuesdays with Maury? Oh, God. That must be about like a Tuesday morning after the game, Monday night when Maury was like, oh, man, talk about a book. Brought I can't me even to tears. think of an I can't even think of an athlete named Maury. <laughs> you just got to, you know, yeah. you, you Tuesdays do. with Maury Povich. Maury, Maury Povich. Yeah. My detective said, <laughs> you are not, not a sports book. <laughs> And so then Mitch Album got into all that like weird uh, sentimental bullshit, but uh, I did enjoy the Fat Five book and Jalen Rose coming to the Nuggets. And he, by the way, he came to the Nuggets during a very very low point of the Nuggets history, right? 
Well, no, actually, he was drafted in the year after they went to the, they made that run. So that was the that was and then uh, a high point, but it became very quickly. It a low very point. quickly because Lafonso Willis uh, hurt his blew his ACL while playing uh, pickup basketball with Bryant Stith in the off season. And that just basically destroyed everything. Right, Stith. <laughs> now, let me ask you guys something, honestly. And now, now, we've seen the photo shoots of all the current Nuggets players. Yes. And let me just say that when the Nuggets got their new jerseys two years ago with the yellow jerseys, yeah. and they had Ken Freed up there with his Gurr face mm-hmm. holding, like, a pickaxe and, and all this stuff, I can't tell you how uncomfortable all those photo shoots made me feel. because, I, I, And that's when I knew those guys were not – going to be the guys that take this team to the next level because they were so usually when you put a bunch of guys into a photo shoot like that they're like what are we even doing here we're not models you know we're basketball players get us out of here yeah but they were kind of loving it (laughs) loving this like photo shoot like it's the cover (laughs) of esquire or gq or something and they were like out there and i thought it was so incredibly uncomfortable and all the photos i was like oh Get stop this! Just stop it! Like that Gur face, the Gur face that Kenneth Fareed does oh, with the two pickaxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah he like, does that a lot. He does. He loves <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, it's but his, he's it's not. His he, you know, he, he's not. He's no uh, uh, L. McPherson. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he is not that. He doesn't know. He's no David Beckham. Make your Gur face. <laughs> he, does, All right. he doesn't have that. <laughs> that whatever that that uh, that bone in your body where you are a good uh, model. But that made me uncomfortable. And then now I've seen that the Nuggets are going to be wearing these old jerseys. Not the old ones with the skyline, but the ones in between that. The uh, deplorable 90s jerseys. Jerseys that I have always thought were some of the worst jerseys ever that that a Denver team has ever worn. Really? Maroon and navy blue, or did you call it wine? Wine and navy blue. It's a box of wine color. (laughs) But when you were a kid, you loved them. When you saw them switch from the skylines to something else, you liked them. But that's because I didn't know any better. If you ask a 12-year-old kid what jerseys they should wear, you should automatically pick the opposite of what the 12-year-old kid says. I've always hated those jerseys. The Nuggets uh, liked them when they were when they were wearing them the other day. There's a few. Players I was going to point really that out because Nate and I were there um, while they were modeling them when doing the photo shoot, and it well, was where well, they were trying. Them were, there, on. were there were there faces? Them. Were there girl faces going on? <laughs> yes, like, except hey, for Wilson, who was just hanging on the basketball hey, net. Hey Kenneth, hey Kenneth, <laughs> give me the girl face, but like not like 2014, <laughs> but like 1995 girl face. You do the high like, fade. He needs to come out with the like high fade. Like envision yourself with Clinton in office. You know, give us a girl face. No war. Economy's doing great. Give us a girl face. Do your best, <laughs> Kenny Skywalker. <laughs> um, and it was it was fun to see. But I'm with Nate here. I kind of like the, the players. Definitely look like they like the jerseys. And the interesting thing is, I don't think any of them were aware that they were former jerseys. <laughs> I, just, I believe that. I just looked at them and I'm I believe like, that these guys. I mean, these guys were one year old when these jerseys. came These out, guys right? have no concept of what the historical inf- emphasis is or impact is of these video- these uh, jerseys. A couple of guys had mentioned that, that they remember seeing Matumbo holding the ball. Yeah, the Matumbo, yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of like they did look good in them. And I, I, to be honest with you, they're my favorite jerseys. But really? Yeah. That's absurd. My favorite jerseys. The best jerseys were in the 80s. I oh, I love those, too. That. I love those, those the too. best ones, the Skyline. But, but they, just the way they looked, 
I mean, Jeff's sister city is Seattle, so it's not surprising that he does. <laughs> That's right. He does think fondly. I, I of do. Seattle. I do the sister city thing with. Uh, oh man, look at that! <laughs> I just got out the jersey, the Jalen Rose jersey. Here, here I'm gonna. Oh, they're a uh, champion, by the way. I think. Uh, remember, Champion was a big deal before they only <laughs> yeah. sold them at Target. Yeah, they're still at Sports Authority. It's just in like the cheap, bad section. It's like, <laughs> um, eh, I don't know about these. these and that uh, stupid uh, font they use, the Nuggets font, I, I did not like these jerseys. I mean, I did like these jerseys, but after... The jersey switched, looks a lot cleaner than that one now. It does, it and it looks a little different. different. It actually looks a little different. They, 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 they did a little something different with the font. But I don't know. How are you guys going to feel next year when they when they break out a sleeved jersey for the Denver Nuggets? That's not a real thing, right? Oh, it's coming for all the teams, buddy. But it's not an everyday jersey. That's going to be like a, a jersey they throw out. I think maybe eventually it might be the jersey in the NBA. Uh, I seriously doubt that. It's coming, no way. man. Here's why I believe the sleeved jersey has some life to it. And the commissioner is- keeps saying that... Well, the shooting I, percentages are just fine in these, and they're coming. Well, it's not going to affect the shooting. It's not going to affect the play on the on the court. It's Absolutely covering up, not. It's covering up tattoos. No, I think what it is is that the jersey, like uh, the traditional tank top jersey, is a jersey that doesn't probably sell as well to the normal everyday Joe because guys have to walk around showing their weak-ass skinny arms. So if they can have a jersey that has sleeves on it, that they can sell to the normal person, then they, people will, are likely to buy it because then they don't have to show their stupid, skinny, and or flabby arms. Well, let's face it. So that's why they're doing it, right? They're, they're creating these jerseys to sell more jerseys. Let's face it. The NBA yeah. markets to a bunch of white suburban kids. But like Ross said, everything is about money, and this is just a new opportunity for more money. But it's off. Yeah, and the and the and the sleeved jerseys are absurd. They're disgusting. I mean, yeah. come on. But we had the best player in the NBA talking about how he didn't like them. They're not comfortable. This and that. And the NBA is like, nah, was that LeBron wrong. James who yeah. said that? Yeah, LeBron. Well, LeBron condemned him. If Michael Jordan condemned him, would they be like, okay, we're going to get rid of these? Well, here's the thing. Uh, we act like the the NBA makes decisions based on what can make the game better. And that's not what they do. No, they 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 make the decisions based on what can make more money and how they can sell more, sell more gear, sell more, sell more uh, t-shirts, hats, whatever, Shorts, it is. sweaters, whatever. Uh, I, I remember there was a time where you could buy a uh, a, a basket or a baseball style uh, NBA jersey, you know. So it was like, it looked like a baseball button up shirt with the you know short sleeve shirt that they could then sell. Um, based on that, I mean, that's what it is. The NBA will consistently make decisions, not to ever, they could make a million decisions to make the game better, but they don't make those. They just make more decisions to make it more money. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to the 94 team here, is this the first time in Denver's history, Jeff may know this, that the Nuggets are actually celebrating a team, like a full team? Yep. And it's a team that won one playoff series <laughs> in 1994. You know, I mean, did they ever bring back the the '80s Western Conference Finals team? No, but let me let me put you this way: none of those teams were pulled off the biggest upset in what was then the NBA history, because those were actually good teams. Yeah, but no, but no, but that's that's what made this significant. It's because I mean, I think people 
forget as time goes by how how big that was. I mean, this it was big. It had never happened before in the history of the NBA until the Nuggets did it. If it was a seven game series, does Seattle win it? No, because <laughs> Nuggets had won three games in a row and were going back home. There's no way for one game, and then they'd go back to yeah. But they would already be up three two in the series. All the Nuggets would have to do. But if it was a seven game series, it wouldn't have been that way. It would have been two games, two games. Like it was in the five-game series. If it was a seven-game series, I think the Nuggets would have won that. Yeah. I mean, remember that that, at the time, there was never a seven-game first round in the NBA playoffs. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of insignificant, right? Because Well, were there earlier before they expanded out? No, because before that, there were three-game series in the first game. Oh, that's right. Yep. But the Nuggets, the Nuggets did what happened. I mean, you got to think that's of it. That's probably why they instituted the seven-game series. <laughs> to think of it. And they we can't have the Nuggets, a team like the Nuggets, winning a first round. Because it would have been 2-3-2, two, be- two, two, right? It would have been 2-3-2. Two, two. No, two well, games in Seattle, three in Denver, and then two back. It would have well, been. Well, no, it wasn't always 2-3-2. Two, because two, the it? finals is the only one that goes 2-2-1-1. Yeah, it would be 2-3-2, two, 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 but one. it would be 2. No, no, the, 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 the finals was 2-3-2. Two, that's been, that's been that way, but the the regular series in the the Western Conference was two two one one one. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So the Nuggets uh, the Nuggets were going back home and they would have won the series. I mean, there was no way Seattle was going to beat them at home after that. I agree. I think the Nuggets yeah, would have won that, agree even with in that a seven too. game I mean, series. Nuggets just had something figured out in that series that Seattle couldn't. And they had actually to be, to. be honest with you, they had the had they had the Utah Jazz figured out too. And which they took to seven games. They took to seven games after being down 0-3, which was even more remarkable than the first game, the first series. And that's why this team deserves being celebrated. They did. They pulled off the biggest upset in NBA history, and then they did what no other team had done: come back from a three o three deficit to tie the series. That had never been done before either. And we talked, like Sandy Clough said, the Nuggets had the Rockets number that year. So, yep. you know, if had they, they had they been able to win that Jazz series, they're they're going into a pretty favorable matchup against the Rockets, who won the title. The Nuggets had the opportunity to win Game Three in, in, in the Utah series. Jeff Hornacek hit a, a shot at the buzzer to beat the Nuggets. I mean, it was. I mean, they were that close. They win that game. I have no doubt in my mind the Nuggets win that series. Zero. Hornacek, good clutch player, here's good an, head coach. Here's an argument to against uh, the Nuggets team being celebrated today. Okay, and that is of the team of the Nuggets team. I think I can think of one guy on the Nuggets team that could come into a conversation of some of the one of the greatest players of all time. Yet when you look at the team or the players for the Jazz. I would say there's at least two guys. Stockton and Malone, yeah. Stockton and Malone that deserve or belong in the conversation of some great players. Um, so how about that? Like, what about that saying? You know what? The Nuggets had this incredible accomplishment in beating the number one seed as an eighth seed in the first round. Good for them. But then they went and lost, and I could argue rightfully so in that second round yeah. against a superior team. And a team that had some legends of the NBA on it. And maybe Carmelo Malone or John Stockton alone aren't legends, but together those guys, those two guys are legendary. Let's put it that way. And then yeah. you also look at some of the supporting cast, and you could say, you, you, I, can, I could probably remember a lot of guys from that jazz team. Jeff Hornacek, Mark Eaton. Mark Eaton. Uh, that was terrible. <laughs> Mark was Eaton, terrible. yeah, him. 
I'm seven four. But like uh, as far as the Nuggets go, Jeff Malone it was Dikembe Mutombo. Dikembe Mutombo, and that's it. I tell you what, that's I, it. Right? I, tell, I tell you what, this is, and, and maybe you guys would agree with me. Lafonso Ellis doesn't get injured. I think he's in that same. But Lafonso Ellis does get injured. Yeah, and but if he, yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, but but you, kind of fades he was, away. He was trajectory. His trajectory about, was. And you think about that Seattle up. team too. I mean, they. Sean Kemp was sort of a flash in the pan. Was Gary know. Payton on that team? Gary yep. Payton was Gary on that Payton. team, and he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was Detlef Schrempf on that Detlef team? Shrimp. Detlef Schrempf. Detlef Schrempf. Sam Perkins, Sam who Perkins. had a little bit of staying power around the league. but Ricky Pierce. You, you know, yeah. I mean, you go you go Payton, you go Sean Kemp maybe, and Detlef Schrempf. I mean, those were the stars off but that But the Seattle Nuggets team. players, after Dikembe Mutombo, you get into territory of only people from Denver know these guys. Well, well look at this way. How about that for that Rockets team that won the championship? Hakeem Elijah. Hakeem Elijah. Clyde Drexler was he on that team? He only came second in. Time. He came in, in the second, second year. Yeah, that, uh, that 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 team was basically the only Hall of Fame player on that team was Hakeem Elijah. Well, there was. Uh, uh, oh no! What about uh, now? There was other guys on that team. Uh, the I mean, starting like five was guys on that team, but was this what was the starting five? It was Elijahwan, Otis Thorpe, Otis Powell. Thorpe, um, Mario Ellie. Did Mario Ellie come off the bench? Yeah, he came off the bench. We looked Kenny it up Smith. the other day. Kenny uh, Smith. Kenny Smith started, and Kenny I Smith think was the guy. Robert Ori. Robert Ori was Ori on was that. A, he was a rookie, so was Sam a rookie. Cassell. <laughs> yeah, Sam Cassell. Sam I mean, these Cassell. guys were. These guys were. All like good. God, was Sam Cassell on that one? Was, was, was he, he on really? that team? He was on that team as a rook. And but everybody knows yeah. also that the Houston Rockets get two basically default NBA Finals championships because Jordan left the league. I mean, we know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those would have been a good series. Though. I mean, that's that's a big debate is how good would those series have been? Could Houston have beaten the Bulls? And that's something you never know. Absolutely not. No, I know. But they the Bulls, definitely couldn't have. The Bulls had nobody that could have defended Elijah on. Nobody. Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't have, Longley, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered with Jordan on the court. Well, let me, let me ask you this. So this is an interesting question, though, because and Nate and I talked about this actually last week off podcast. The, the off Bulls, pod. off pod, the Bulls' first three championships, I think, are the more that was the best Bulls teams because it came against a stronger league. The last three... Uh, Isaiah Thomas, those types of guys. Yeah, the, yeah, the last three, the league was a lot weaker because they had expanded out again in between. And the league, the talent got really diluted. And you could I tell. don't know about that. I mean, they, they expanded by two teams. Uh, yeah, there was the Canadian teams, I think. Right. I mean, yeah. two teams. I mean, that's what? Uh, that's 24 guys. That doesn't dilute the league that much. Uh, you know what? I think they're four hundred and twenty or something. Four hundred. Like I mean, and it's not like I they think were that getting, made it. That made it four hundred fifty. It's not like those Canadian teams were stealing a lot of talent. I mean, Vince Carter. <laughs> remember those? Is old, that one of the guys? Remember those? No, Vince didn't come until. Here's those. Here's the Rockets. Rockets starters was Elijahwan, Otis Thorpe, Robert Ory, Vernon Robert Maxwell, Ory. Vernon Maxwell, Robert Ory, and Kenny Smith. But Ory Kenny was a Smith. rookie in that year, but. Robert Horry has been a guy that's been a part of many, many championship teams. He was good, and he was super but, talented but, back then, but, I mean, he wasn't LeBron James or Carmelo the rookie season. I mean, he was a decent player. Let's see what he scored per game. Nine points a game. Back to the stats. Back to the stats. The old crutch. <laughs> Nine <laughs> points a game. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, it's interesting because, you know, this leads me into, a, this leads me into another subject. 
you know, Nate, we, you and I talk a, a lot about, forgot about Carl Herrera. Carl Herrera, <laughs> my God. I loved those Rockets teams. Matt to be Bullard. I, uh, Matt Bullard. Thunder coach Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks was on that. He was the backup point guard. Sam Cassell, another backup point guard. Mario Eli. Oh, my God. I forgot Scott Brooks was on there. That's a crazy team. You know, I, last night um, the, the Nuggets were playing the, uh, the Bobcats, and Patrick Ewing is an assistant coach on the Bobcats, and Mark Price is a back is a, is a assistant coach on there, the best free throw shooter in NBA history. Yeah, he's trying to teach Michael Kidd Gilchrist how to shoot free throws, and he's either not listening to anything <laughs> Price says, or Price has completely <laughs> forgotten how to coach free throws. I don't, he never had to do it before, but it, it's it's weird. But anyway, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be interesting to see how as we go forward how that. Rockets team is looked on because right now they're looked on as the gap between the Bulls' three championships. It's funny because I mean they they crushed Utah. They won four to one in that series, and then in the finals they played you know a Knicks team, and that went to seven games. It was a seven game series. Well, keep in mind too, they beat a Phoenix Suns team at the peak at their peak. Literally, yeah. that's that was beat them in seven. The, the the Phoenix Suns were the best team in the Western Conference that year in '94, and they. They came back from being 0-2 down, I believe. But the Rockets were a 58-win team. I mean, Nuggets 57-win team last year. Yep. Yeah, not not that crazy. Yeah, and then uh, then the next year they had Drexler, and then that's when they uh, Phoenix was only a 56-win team that year. What was your guys' opinion of Clyde Drexler back in the day? I lo- I was a huge Clyde I was Drexler too. Fan. I was thought I he was. I mean, I assume, Jeff, you were only fans of him because of his proximity on the Blazers to, to, the, to the Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, but I liked him because at the time, the Blazers were a very appealing team. Right down the old I-5. You know, who, who, who was on those Blazers teams? Good that was, call on the I-5. Who was, who was down those Blazers teams? It was Kevin like, Duckworth. Kevin Duckworth. Terry Porter. Uh, Cliff Robinson. Cliff Robinson. Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge, yeah. Those, had, those, those Blazers teams were fun. And it was at the old uh, Coliseum up there. I forget this. I think it was called the Coliseum, and it, which was like the smallest arena in the NBA. I always loved watching the Blazers games because it was like fun. I hated the Blazers. Loved the Bulls. I was a huge Jordan fan. I was a Bulls fan as well. And I thought Drexler was like trying to be a crappy imitation Jordan. He kind of was, like, was. Jordan was going to crush this loser. Now I watched Clyde. Clyde Drexler like, was. I totally underappreciated Clyde. You Drexler. probably did, but he kind of was at the time, kind of a, a poor man's Jordan with a worse hairline. Yeah, because because Jordan had the no hair had the foresight to shave, shave his head. Even though Jordan was going bald his first season in the NBA, he was like had a receding hairline. Right. Uh, Clyde Drexler had the same thing, but he still kept he it still going. Kept the hair, and, uh, the, like given doesn't want to give up the ghost of the hair. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, you know, we talk, Andy Andy Feinstein and I you know, always talk about the the best season in the NBA, technically was the 87-88 season, where every team basically had a star, even the crappy ones. And that's before they expanded out to, th- to 30 teams. There was 23 teams in the league then. But uh, my favorite era of basketball is the era we're talking about right now. 94. That's by far my favorite. The uh, mid-Jordan, the... Yeah, when Jordan was retired. I mean, those. I mean, my favorite series ever in the also, history of series uh, is that Bulls Knicks series. Not ironically, uh, Jeff's favorite minor league baseball seasons were in ninety five, <laughs> ninety six. <laughs> minor league. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, back to your favorite uh, era. No, of, because uh, you know those the Bulls Knicks series in '93, the championship series is my favorite his- series of all time I, that, that I've ever watched personally. That even above the Nugget Sonics. I just series. know so much, so much more about basketball now. I don't know if I know a lot about basketball, but for myself, I know a lot more than I used to. So I, I like watching them now. Like I love the Dallas Warriors series from a few years ago. But even since that time, I think that was what 2007. Like since yeah. then, like now I know so much more about basketball for myself. It's like it's more enjoyable to watch because I know like exactly what it seems like what, what teams are trying to do, like what kind of schemes they're running. Like I didn't ever know like back when I'd watch Jordan, like what the hell was going on besides like I didn't know what a pick and roll was. I didn't know what any of these defenses were. I didn't know like horns. I didn't know anything about anything. You know why I knew it the was pick just and kind roll? Of fun to watch. I knew the pick and roll because they said it over and over when John Stockton and uh, Carl Malone played. Yeah, because they basically perfected the pick and roll, and that was that was they and always said the pick and roll with John the, the, Stockton the, to the mailman, you know all that stuff, and the pick and pop. <laughs> Malone, he could hit a jumper jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it should be noted as we're talking about these this era, Hakeem Olajuwon, great center, but also a great jump shooter. Yeah, a guy who had in my from what I recall about Hakeem Olajuwon, size fifteen feet. Oh yeah, this is your your uh, foot theory. <laughs> yeah, good quick feet. What's Shaq? Shaq's legendary for like a size twenty two or twenty three, yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, but uh, you know what that means? He's got. They uh, didn't big have nimble shoes. feet. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't as nimble as Elijah Wan. Yeah. This is Ross's theory. Hakeem Elijah Wan, small dick, fast feet like You're a ballerina. <laughs> but actually, it was interesting because. You talk about big men of that one. The nineties was the, the the king of the big men era, wasn't it? Because you got like Ewing and Robinson and Matumbo, Matumbo and uh, Shaq and Rick Smiths, Rick Smiths in, in in Indiana. But I mean, even the Bulls. Actually, like, like, maybe the nineties were the, the the golden years of the white player. <laughs> yeah, just named a lot of white. Players. But you think about even like Bill Cartwright <laughs> with the Bulls, like Bill Cartwright. Cartwright fall. Cartwright fall. Uh, Cartwright. He's probably as good as like Timothy Mosgoff at Seinfeld least. Seinfeld fall. Bill Cartwright. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think Cartwright's probably as good as or better than like I, I don't Mosgoff. Know, I, I always looked at Bill Cartwright and thought, man, someone took him out of the home to play this game because he, he always looked, like looked he, old. He looked like he was seventy. Yeah, that's true. So he had the Greg Oden thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except <laughs> except slightly longer career. <laughs> Although Odin's playing now with the Heat, but Odin, you know. Odin is, yeah. Oh man, Greg <laughs> Odin's going to win a championship <laughs> before Carmelo Anthony, before Kevin Durant. <laughs> oh my god, that's insane. Do it. I mean, Cartwright's first couple years in the league, he scored twenty one point seven points, twenty point one. Scored 17 points a game. I mean, he was a good scoring player for the you know Knicks. Who, you know who, Cartwright was not a bad player. I don't know why, you, where the, did this come you know, up that he was not a good player. You no, know but who, I'm saying like you don't remember him when he was with the Bulls as being a premier center in the NBA. He was always yeah, that but guy that was they kind also of serviceable. Had, they also had Will Perdue and uh, who was a uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Will Perdue was one of the greatest players ever. Will Perdue, Bill Wennington. Bill Wennington, yeah, Bill Wennington. And then they snatch up the Aussie, Luke Longley. Later Luke on. Longley, yes. Luke Longley. Oh, my God, they just were stocking up Australia. on big white centers. Whole thing is surrounded by water. Scott, but, <laughs> Scott Williams. Scott Williams. Former Nugget. No, no, no. 
Yeah, yeah. Scott Williams was on the Nuggets in like late nineties, right? Yeah, Wasn't he? and then pretty much if you played in the NBA, you had a stint in Denver. Whether it be <laughs> yes, because because <laughs> Brian Williams uh, was on the ninety six ninety seven Bulls. Bison Daly, yeah. Bison Daly played for the Bulls. Yep. Now Brian Williams is a is a character that just tragic needs to be spoken about a lot more. Loved Brian Williams. That guy pretty much represented everything that was different than current NBA stars. That guy, I mean, I'd like to know more about that guy. Well, that's what we start looking to. Like, so obviously he's not going to, since he's deceased, he's not going to be with the team coming up. Uh, Rodney Rogers is going to be there, but he'll be in a wheelchair. He is going to be there. Since he had his accident. Rodney Rogers is going to be there? Mm-hmm. I, I believe so, yeah. As far as I know. This is coming up on uh, like the 17th or when yeah, is Yeah, Monday. Yeah, Monday the 17th. the 17th. We started thinking of all the guys like Bryant Stith is coaching at, I think, Virginia Commonwealth. So he's going to be there since his team's not going to be in the tournament. Like, Bryant Stith will be there. You wonder if, like, is Rauf going to be there? Matumbo is obviously – Matumbo is just at Allen Iverson's retirement celebration, so he'll be in Denver. He's everywhere that you need him to be. Fonz will be there. Fonzo Ellis is going to be there. Well, like, Fonzo Ellis currently uh, one of the uh, commentators for, like, the SEC or something like that. Uh, Big Ten. Big Ten. Yeah, because he lives in Chicago, I believe. Kind of getting the dreads going. He's a Notre Dame guy, yeah, so he's and kind of in that area. He, um, not and dreads, braids. 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 Not mm-hmm. dreads. And uh, Cleaner. Wasn't tighter. he in the braids at the end of his career? Wasn't, no, wasn't braids. Fonz? He oh, might have Fonz? been towards yeah. the end, like yeah. the Timberwolves or yeah. the Heat or something. Well, you yeah. know, LaFonso Ellis' career was not as short as we all remember it in Denver. It was I just mean, different. It, it, was, it was cut short in Denver, but he played eight, nine years, didn't he? Well, kind of no, he played seven years in Denver? Almost the same trajectory as, uh, as Antonio McDice, where he left and was still around with San Antonio, Detroit. Like I, that, I remember that. Antonio McDice retired in like 2005 or something. 2010. Or two, yeah. 2010 is <laughs> yeah, what I meant to say. Just retired. That's crazy. Yeah. Antonio and McDice ended up playing for years. You know, the, the one of the most tragic things in the world is that the Nuggets... That was another power forward position they had. And how many knee injuries have the Nuggets suffered at the power forward position? But is that – do you believe that's abnormal? Like I'm uh, starting to think it's not because it's not every be- year we just see the Nuggets have so many injured guys, and it's through their history. I mean, dating back for forever. It's no, every, do you, but but, but do you think that's abnormal across the NBA? I think everybody's hurt all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's I, just I we just that, like yeah. lovingly call it the Nuggets power forward curse because it started with Calvin Nat in the eighties, and then it kind of just progressed to Lafonso Ellis, to Antonio McDice, to Kenyon Martin. We look at so many guys. I mean, I'm just watching NBA Inside stuff. I'm looking at Grant Hill interviewing Chris Lafonso Paul. Lafonso Ellis retired in or Antonio McDice retired in 2010. 2010. He was with the Spurs. Jeez. Yeah, he he played in Detroit. Actually, he still played in Denver for the most. Of any team that he was with, but he, because um, he was in Denver six years, right, something like that, and um, <laughs> maybe I just want to say for everybody, Timmons gave the oh, I don't know. <laughs> working, <laughs> working on his face was like I'm, wor- I'm working with amateurs here. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was it was, uh, it, but I forget what we were talking. Like, we were talking about injuries. Uh, injuries, knee injuries. I was injuries. watching like NBA Inside stuff, and I'm watching Grant Hill interview. That's Chris still Paul. a show. Yeah, they came back. But Grant Hill's on it now, and I'm looking at Grant Hill, and Say, it's like... there's no Ahmad Rashad. Yeah, and, and Grant Hill's not remembered as this great player, but he had a window where he was the best player in the NBA. Wait, wait, Grant Hill's not remembered as a great player? 
not as one of the greats. You oh, know? He I mean, was. He, he had definitely could have great been. years in Detroit, didn't he? But he was always injured. That's what I remember about Grant Hill. He that defines his career, probably time. is injuries. But, but there's so I, many I guys you can say player. that about. Like there's so many guys where their their careers were Penny changed Hardaway. by injuries. You know? Yeah, it's another. I mean, there's Penny just, Hardaway is the the poster boy for lost potential because of an injury. Um, Anthony. Anthony, which is apparently. Uh, what was that? His grandmother would call him uh, Anthony or something like that because you know, I don't know. I think his name was actually Anthony. Yeah, A N F E R N E. Yeah, it was. It was something with something something to do with his grandma. Had something to do with his name or his nickname. It's called or phonetic something. spelling. <laughs> it was kind of a mess. But you got it. But there's so many guys in the NBA. You can say like their careers were just completely altered from injury. I mean, so many. There's so many guys. It's even Kobe Bryant now. We're going to look at the end of his career, and it's going to be, you know, you're starting to remember where Kobe's not remembered as this this phenomenal player. He's kind of remembered for kind of getting injured, right? Is that what you think Kobe Bryant's legacy will be? No, he'll still be remembered as great. But young fans right now, the last couple of years, four, five, five, he's trying to get six, five. Wow. Well, you just see kids now that will that will look at Kobe. You know, if you're 13 or 14 or something like that right now, you're going to be like, why was Kobe ever talked about as the greatest? Like, he's washed up. He's been I, washed up. I have a question um, for you two guys. How would you prefer, and I'll ask you, Nate, first, and then Jeff. Nate, how would you prefer kids remember Kobe Bryant? Like, when, when somebody, like, if you ask a kid who may be 12 years old now or 13, or maybe wait a few years till after Kobe's retired, how would you prefer that people remember Kobe Bryant as? <laughs> Sounds like a loaded question, Ross. I, well, it's just a good question. I mean, you just said it might be injuries. It might be five championships, maybe even more if, if he can get one under his belt maybe next season or before he retires. But as a as a fan or maybe as a as a guy who covers the NBA, how would you prefer people remember Kobe Bryant? I would always say for Kobe, for the way I remember him, is just being fierce competitor, almost insanely competitive, but more about scoring than anything else. And that he never won a championship. You can say this about a lot of guys, but never won one kind of on his own. Always was paired with a great player, whether it be Shaquille O'Neal or Pau Gasol, and not a very good teammate. I don't know. I would think people remember him as a scorer. As a scorer, but extreme competitor. Extreme competitor. Jeff, how about you? Um, One of the greatest scorers the NBA has ever seen. Um, Dominant. You would say he's basically from about 2002 to 2010. Maybe the most dominant player in the NBA and dominated his era. I mean, there's none question that Kobe dominated his era. And so that's how you believe, that's, or how, that, that's how you would want? That's how I would want him to be. Because I never had anything other than, you know, potentially raping someone. I never had never had anything against Let's, let's take the uh, veil rape off the table. Yeah, I never really had, as a player, never had anything against Here's Kobe. what I, the way I would want. And obviously the reason why I asked you guys that is so I could say why I would want him to <laughs> be remembered. Uh, when he's done playing basketball, I would prefer him to be remembered for who I think he is. And that is a 
Michael Jordan, a uh, guy who was trying to emulate Michael Jordan, even emulated talking like him. Uh, every his just his. The, the way I've always saw it is that Michael Jordan represented such a high level of competitive competitiveness and dominance that people wanted to emulate Michael Jordan's uh, his uh, his little. I don't know how to put this, but it's like the way he acted, like the tongue out, uh, his little. Um, Kobe started to develop that in like uh, Yeah, yeah. The uh, what's what the term for the that? Insyncrasy. What is that term? Idiosyncrasy. Idiosyncrasy. Yeah, yeah. That's the term I'm trying to think. Idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncrasies. I think Kobe Bryant went out and he tried to emulate that part of Jordan. And I think Kobe Bryant was one of the greatest players ever to play in the NBA, but. Because he tried to emulate Jordan in that way, and I think the NBA wanted to bring Kobe up. I, I feel like Kobe Bryant was the um, definitely the beneficiary of a lot of the the changes in the NBA that have caused the NBA to become somewhat of a uh, a lesser competitive sport than it used to be. And I think Kobe Bryant exemplifies that. So that's the way I would like to see him as is almost like a fraud. As like, yeah, he was the beneficiary of some changes in the NBA, and he uh, kind of like adopted some of those Michael Jordan esque idiosyncrasies. 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 <laughs> Can I say that word? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would like to remember him. You know, it's interesting. Actually, I was thinking about this. Kobe kind of exploded as an offensive player when they got rid of the hand check rule. And I don't think that like. I don't think LeBron will be remembered in the same regard as Kobe and Jordan because he's so physically different than those two. Where I think Kobe is, you know, a lot like Jordan physically, same but on position, the same height, same weight, same position. And it is like Ross is wait, saying wait. he was kind of an imitator of Jordan. Kobe, yeah, but LeBron James. I think LeBron's different because he's he's the size of Karl Malone, but bigger than him. Yeah, I, and I, he's so fast I, and so. I can't. Yeah. How, okay. So, how would you? How do you think LeBron? I mean, LeBron, LeBron James is towards the end of his career now. I. How do you guys think he'll be remembered? I'll Jeff, tell you why don't what, you go first? I tell you what. He wins another championship. He's going to be right up there. I've. I don't think in my lifetime, I've ever seen a player like LeBron ever. I can't. I can't categorize him. I cannot put him in. I can't pigeonhole him because he's so unique. I've never seen a player like him. Ever. Yeah, and it's always felt weird because. You look at Jordan, he had Pippen. You look at Kobe, he had Shaq. And then you look at LeBron, and he had nobody in Cleveland. He had nobody. Nobody. But I would say that Jordan didn't have Pippen. I think Jordan made Pippen great. And Pippen was good, but then Kobe I, and Shaq, I don't see this I don't see a com, you know com, comparison there because Kobe arguably was made great by Shaq. Although, Pippen didn't make Jordan great. I although, mean, although think you about could it. put anybody in in Pippen's shoes, and he's very nah, great. At it. Yeah, but think of, think about this this way though. Jo- uh, Pippen filled so many holes at Jordan. I mean, you, you put Pippen on the best offensive player of the other team, and he could shut him down. Whether it's Gary Payton, you know, Stockton, Malone. I mean, you could play him on anybody. And then you have yeah, even had Horace Grant on some of those teams. So I, I feel bad for knocking LeBron for the fact that he played he plays with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh when I, I can look at the Lakers and I can look at the Bulls and say, Well, they had good players too. So as part of me, you know, kind of takes away from what LeBron has done since he joined up with Wade and Bosch. 
but I think historically I shouldn't do that, but I, I do. I, I, I think, hey, you joined. You had to join with these other two great players of the era in order to get it done. Like no one would come to your team. So I, I you know, great part, player. Part, part of that was where he played. We got to be honest. That I mean, we people don't. That's the elephant in the room here. But well, Les Shapiro tells us all the time, Chicago was not a basketball town until Jordan it, showed it's up. It's not, but it's not. I mean, Cleveland. And is, that's, and Cle- that's a Cleveland point. is a is a dump. And I no one wants to go to Cleveland. But Cleveland is consistent. not a team that hasn't had uh, teams that were potentially championship type teams. Well, they mean, they had some great teams in the early nineties, right, with Larry Nance and Brad, Brad Doherty and Elo, Mark Price. Mark Price yeah. Um, but I would say that you know, in the same vein as Jordan, Jordan didn't win anything until Phil Jackson came. So what? How much influence do you give Phil Jackson on Michael Jordan? But you act like Jordan had a long career prior to Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson came in eighty nine, so he had about six years. In but the I mean, league. Pippen, so, and, Pippen, and Horace Grant started to come into their prime about the time Phil showed up too. So I mean, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people say, "Oh, Phil Jackson was great," but that team was maturing. There's no way, and, you and they can, made there's some no moves. possible way. I've been seeing this a lot lately. Get on my soapbox here. There's no way, possible way, way you can diminish Phil Jackson's effect on any of these players. Bullshit. You cannot do it. George Carl shows up in Chicago the same year that Phil Jackson does. It's a completely different. You don't thing. think George Carl gets? Uh, it's a completely different. Several thing. championships. George Carl wouldn't have run the same way Phil Jackson did. Uh, <laughs> They seem like very similar guys to me. No, it, it's it, it's a completely different thing. Uh, what and it's got, almost what, all completely do the triangle. What, what happened was, and people said that Jordan didn't get anywhere, like you just said, didn't get anywhere until Phil Jackson showed up. Um, Michael Jordan, uh, if George Carl's the coach of those Bulls teams, right, he gets that job in L.A. years later. I mean, the only reason why Phil Jackson gets the jobs with Miami and L.A. later is because what he did with Jordan Phil Jackson had the best players on his team. We all know that. Did you say Phil Jackson was in Miami? You're talking Pat Riley. Or, excuse me, Pat Riley. Yeah. But I'm talking about <laughs> Phil Jackson yeah. in, in L.A. later with their championship teams. Well, yeah, but it's the chicken and the egg thing because, once again, Jordan, but all I'm Jordan saying is didn't I'm win anything until Phil Jackson got there. But <laughs> he won some stuff. They went to the playoffs and they were in the well, playoffs. Well, yeah, but. but it, yeah, once again, he never had any coach that got him anywhere in the playoffs other than Phil Jackson. But the I mean, are you saying it was inevitable? So you're saying it was the coaches. Until like the he coach got in the triangle, it didn't happen. Doug Collins wasn't running the triangle. I think I think Scotty Pippen think, was under Doug Collins. Any one of us was in like this room, second year player. Any any one of us in this room could win championships with Jordan uh in Chicago in those first 3 years. Any of us. No way. I say it's the easiest team to coach ever. No way. Oh, yeah. No way. <laughs> Absolutely question. no it was way. Pretty e- it was easy in the fact that e- even listening to Horace Grant talk with Bill Simmons the other day, he said, you know, Jordan was, you know, just a couple years older than us, but he was unquestionably the leader of that team. Like, anything he said, we did. And any- anything he wanted to do, we followed because we knew he was going to take us somewhere. But, I mean, you had you had the trade of – you know Charles Oakley for Bill Cartwright. You had a center come in. You had Horace Grant. A couple of years in the NBA, figured out how to play a little bit. Okay, we're talking Pippen about a Bill. Years. Bill, we're talking about Bill fucking Cartwright. <laughs> we're not talking 20 about points a, dumb, a game. Twenty yeah, points a game. Yeah, but he didn't score twenty points a game with the Bulls. Let me nah, tell you, he's been around ten. <laughs> but I mean, it, Phil it Jackson kind of... made his career off of Jordan. I, okay, 
Michael Jordan. But once again, what did Michael Jordan win before Phil Jackson got there? But what year was Playoff that? Series? I mean, he, when did Jordan come into the league? 1980. You're acting like Jordan wait, had wait, a wait, long when was Phil career. Jackson's? You act okay, like Jordan within, had this long within, career of unsuc- uh, you within know, one of, season, of lackluster performances. Within one season, within one season, they went to the finals with Phil Jackson on there. He had six seasons with, with Doug Collins. Nothing. Jordan had six seasons? 84, wait, excuse me, 84, 85, 85, 86, 86, 87, 88, yeah. Four years. Four years. Collins so, was there for three seasons. Three. What was the, when did Jordan get in? 84, right? So but Collins took, came in the same year as Elijah won. 80, yeah, Collins Colin showed up in 86, 87. They lost in the first round, lost in the semifinals, lost in the Eastern Conference Finals with Doug Collins. And they Against went from, who, like the Pistons? Yeah, and then they the go Pistons, from yeah. 47 wins to 55 wins with Phil, and they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals again. Then they play with Phil again the next year and finally win the finals when you could argue that the Pistons were a lesser team at that point. I mean, there's a Absolutely. lot of stuff. That, there's a whole lot that goes into it. I, don't, I can't discredit Phil Jackson because every guy, I mean, Shaq, Kobe, Jordan, Horace, everybody talks about what he can do for the locker room and to change. I mean, it's just a perfect storm of everything. I think trying to argue one thing over the other is But everybody can crazy. pretty much agree that in basketball, of all other sports, is not a coach's game. No, it's not. And when and who is winning championships uh, with the Pistons? Do do we uh, all give the coach credit for hey, those back to back years? Was huge. We, 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 we could give say him the credit. We could say Tim it. Floyd's the worst coach ever. The Bulls went from sixty two wins to thirteen when he took over. <laughs> sure, Jordan retired. Jordan retired, and Pippen left. Right. And by the Pippen, way, Pippen went to uh, the Rockets. When did Phil Jackson leave the, the Bulls? Ninety eight. Same year Jordan did. And who was coaching the Bulls when the Houston Rockets were getting their sham championships? They win. 50, <laughs> they won fifty games that year, didn't they? With Pippen, uh, they won fifty-five and forty-seven. With, yeah, and, and Scottie Pippen refusing to go on the court with a migraine. You know, yeah, <laughs> because he wasn't getting the call for because he was pissed that Steve Kerr was getting the final uh, look at the three-point shot. But with Phil, they went from forty-seven I wins mean, without Jordan to seventy-two with Jordan the next. I, I mean. I mean, Jordan's, Jordan's worth 20, 30 wins. <laughs> hey, yeah, no, 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 wait. You can't say... The, the point is But this, you can't say... But you can't... But this is the thing. I mean, it's like the chicken and the egg thing. When, when Phil Jackson coached in Miami, as I said previously... <laughs> I tell you what, well, once again, there's, a, there's Pat Riley. When Pat Riley <laughs> took over for Stan Van Gundy in that first... No, Pat Riley got wise and decided, oh, he I, gravy I trained a team that is the best... He gravy trained with, the uh, the, with Shaq and... Uh, and uh, Wade. Wade, but Wade says they wouldn't have won the championship without him. Yeah, it's because he's got to have his coach's <laughs> back, right? <laughs> All I'm saying is, I don't even know why we got on this. No, it's an interesting subject because I think people people talk about this because people, you know, when I I Ken Berger, um, he writes for CBS Sports, had an article today. Never about, heard of him about uh, about Headline. the. Now we're in the headline segment. Go, Jeff. I'm good. Uh, he had an article about the. Um, Shortening the, the the NBA season, and I proposed fifty games a couple of years ago. Yeah. What would Ken say? Do you steal my idea? Did you read my article? <laughs> he, 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 pro- he proposed putting it to sixty games, but he made a comment about college basketball, and he said college basketball is unwatchable. If you take away the NCAA tournament, okay, and you I'm with him, he said he said you you re, you reduce the rah rah thing, you turn down the volume, and you just watch the games. They're awful games. Yeah, 
and compared to compared to the NBA, which is professional, which is better, watchable, which is better, except which is, for the long season. And he was using the 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 month of March as an example. Because the NCAA tournament dominates the month of March because it's the last 20 games of the NBA season and it's the dregs of the season. It's like people don't care by the end of the season. And But he was saying that you, you, you look at this, but that's a coach-dominated league. I mean, I mean, certain college. scenario. College is coach-dominated. I don't Jim know Beheim, I mean, John Palapari, uh, Rick Pitino. But why, I mean, but why is it coach-dominated? Do you uh, think it's because they're, they're pulling strings during the middle of a game? There is more actual "quote unquote" coaching going on in college than there ever is in the NBA. But and and you think that's the difference? That in, that's what makes it so. The unwatchable. reason why the uh, coaches in the NCAA are successful year in and year out is because of their the strings they pull during the games. And yet, and they get the best players. Yeah, be it's, it's because yeah. they get the best players. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it's I mean, because of their recruiting. Because unless, and that's what I'm saying. And, no, no, and, I agree. And with that's that. the same reason why yeah. Phil Jackson was successful because he had the best players. Well, yeah, well, you know, you can't discount I, having I, the best players, but I, I, you cannot I, discount the influence of the coach either. I, I, here's what I would say: I wouldn't say the NCAA or college basketball is unwatchable. I think it's it's not unwatchable at all. I think it's the, one of the purest versions of the game. Oh, it's and, awful, and I love watching that. Type of game. All right, so we could debate the differences between college and NBA all we want. Yeah, because college sucks. Because why? Because they have to dribble the ball, and because they can't double dribble, and because they conform to the rules that basketball was actually no. It's because of ridiculous zone defenses. And what's wrong with zone defenses? Because they will zone defenses are part of the game. Zone defenses make college, but literally make college basketball. Unwatchable. It's the that, un- no, no. It's because they then, no one can, no one can score. Then and, and and everyone in college so, doesn't develop the jumper. So, so what, <laughs> no so one what can is shoot. it about the like the the supposed sport of basketball that you like to watch so much? Yes, in, in that you see only exists in the NBA. What about it do you like the most? Dunks. No, I uh, like the free flowing action that you get. And okay. you say there's and, no free free throwing. Uh, no, Where is the free-flowing action in, in college basketball, Ross? It, the whole game is free-flowing action. No, it's action. not. It's micromanaged by coaches. No, that's It is absolutely micromanaged. It, Jim Beheim has four different zone defenses. Four. That is and, asinine. And, and that's too complicated for you? No, it's that's that's ridiculous. complicated? Imagine a coach on there. It's like, no, 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 you're in the wrong zone defense. A zone is a zone. No, that's not true. <laughs> it is absolutely true. true. There's so many different zone defenses. I just yelled into the mic. So I <laughs> apologize to the to everyone who was listening to this. You, you I know, just yelled into the mic. This has been actually this this has been building up for years. By the way, the conversation we're just having yeah. right now. Because when it comes time to the for the March Madness tournament, I will sit here and I'll say, I know you guys don't like college basketball, but then you guys go, No, I'll watch every single game in the tournament. And then you sit back and you say, you know what, I I, I love it. But then w- when it comes down to it, you don't like the college game. That's garbage. Because the college game is more like the p- pure game of basketball. Are you going to do so, a Jimmy Chitwood on us here? What I'm <laughs> saying is <laughs> What's the I don't think that you guys actually like the game of basketball. I think you like the NBA version, which is absolutely not the purest game of basketball. And that's okay. I just wish you guys would admit it once in a while. Wait. The best college basketball team could never beat the worst NBA team. That's true. Yeah. Why? Because of size? Yeah, the best players are in the NBA. That's true, but that 
but you so realize, a lot of garbage players in college. But you realize basketball. that uh, I don't hate the college game. I like to watch college basketball. But what about the I game like itself? Prospects. Let's talk about the game itself. <clears throat> but and something that's kind of coming to a debate. The purest with, you'll ever find is high school. Thirty-five high school basketball shot. games are some of the purest versions of basketball ever. That's when you can have a guy, a team that is supremely less talented than another team and have that You had that team. in the NBA. You had the Dallas Mavericks beat the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat of Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, but the Mavericks were the better team that year because they shared the ball. They did all the things you're talking about that you quote-unquote say is pure. I don't know what pure basketball well, well, is. Well, it's they, all pure. It's all basketball. They don't. I mean – What's pure about the game of basketball is not about uh, what you consider pure as far as the NBA goes. I mean, they are not required to dribble the ball all times they're handling the ball, for one. You okay. get away with some stuff in the NBA, we'll yeah. Get away with stuff. Uh, LeBron James will take four or five steps on the way to dunk a basketball, and he's not called for it. But that's his crab That is not pure basketball. That's his crab I'm not saying that he is not supremely talented. All I'm saying is that that is not pure basketball. I mean, you know, the best in your professions cut corners all over the place, right? This is true. <laughs> I mean, I got I mean, I look at Jordan. a house five years ago. <laughs> Things falling apart today. There's, listen, look at Jordan. There's a reason they called it the Jordan rules. <laughs> well, you know what? And that and that and I've always said that Jordan was the reason why the NBA became an international sport, and he's also the reason why it is horrible now, is because <laughs> he did things that no other player could ever do, and the only way that players can emulate that is by skirting the rules well, just and that's funny. what happened that's what kobe did and, and, and that's why kobe is as big as he is is because he was the guy who figured out you know what i'm gonna go to la and i'm gonna be the jordan the new jordan of the nba and i'm not to gonna LA. necessarily dribble i'm going to take four or five steps oh, that's just an old man crying about the game four you know or five what steps, and that's no that, that's the Come worst on. part about it, is that has turned into the old man complaining about the game being ruined but the bottom line is it's true He's still – I mean, you have to dribble, and they call traveling. I mean, you, you don't have agrarious travels Not all the time, or if that's even the right word. Egregious, but egregious, I've had trouble yeah, with words tonight as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm okay. Tough, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> but here's one thing. So Jeff Van Gundy talked <laughs> about this. I think I said. Jeff Van Gundy brought this up the other night during a, a Nuggets game where he said, you know, all we're seeing now is, is dunks and three-pointers, and at some point in time they need to widen the court – make the three-point line bigger so that we can have more mid-range game. And when I watch a lot of college basketball, it's either you know layups or three-pointers, and that's just the way the game's moving, college and NBA. You're right. seeing all of this. It's, it's a completely different thing because three-pointers have become, you know, by statisticians, it's a valuable shot because it's worth more than the but, long twos. But and let me, let it's me highly you probable now. Yeah, but it used know, to be a yeah. low-percentage shot, but that's correct. Yeah, I mean, you, let, you me, let, let me ask you this, though. Isn't that how analytics has kind of limited the game? Yeah. Because, um, because you know, it's like, no, 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 you can't do that. It's inefficient. Well, someone someone would say it's inefficient because everyone has been relegated to layups and twos, layups and three-point shots. I mean, if you, if you never practice it, you're never going to be good at it. And to me, it's even more so in that college game to where it's like they need to move a three-point line back in college because – To the NBA. I mean, you see – what was it? Creighton and Missouri played – was it Creighton, Missouri a few weeks ago? Or No, it was uh, – it was Creighton and Villanova, and Villanova was yep. ranked fourth in the country, and Creighton shoots something like 63s in the game. I don't know what it was, something crazy, some ridiculous amount. They make a crazy amount. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. To me, college just seems like a, a dumbed-down version of the NBA where they still get away with travels. They still get away with 
you know, not dribbling here and there. I mean, it's not like – and the refs in college are worse than the NBA. You have better refs there. To me, it's it's just a, not a, as, a, as a more – it's not as competitive as an NBA game where you're getting away with the same stuff to me. I, all I'm saying is I don't believe that the, there are personalities in the NCAA that have as much weight as they do in the NBA to where you can get away with dribbling one or two steps and then walking forward to the rim. And then and it's not even that, that LeBron James or – and LeBron James is just one of the guys. There's plenty of guys in the NBA that will travel – four or five steps on their way to a layup and then they call the foul you know what i'm saying so I, and I not only is he is he, is he uh not only is he given the foul so he gets free throw shots but he's also give you know he's given a like a free reign to the hoop i mean when you when these guys step inside of the key or which doesn't exist anymore but inside the three foot uh, the three point line they can basically pick the ball up and run to the hoop and then they call a foul. <laughs> I don't it, think it's that bad. I do hate the that, part I mean, where, I mean, the Nuggets play the Thunder, and the Thunder, let's say they score 100 points on the night, 30 of those come from 15 free throws apiece from Durant and Westbrook. And, and I hate you, that. And when you look that. at the statistics of the top 10 or 20 scoring guys in the NBA, you will throws. look at the majority of their points. I remember doing this exercise on this podcast with you, Nate Timmons, three years ago. Yeah. And we looked at the top scoring guys in the NBA – over 55% of their points came from the free throw line. I think it was like 25%, and, and, uh, which is crazy. No, stuff. I mean, no, no, no. It's over 50%. I mean, you looked at LeBron James the other night when he had 63 points or something. He had 32 from the free throw line. And, is that right? That's insane. I mean, you, that's where these points are coming from, and that's where they know because guess what? When a guy goes up, that's when everybody's looking, but they're not looking at that point, that, that moment in time, the three or four steps before they got to the hoop, before they got fouled. So how are you supposed to defend a guy who's given the free reign not even to dribble the ball anymore? He doesn't even have to dribble the ball all the way to the hoop. And it used to be one and a half steps or, or you know, or two steps is what they would say. Yeah, I definitely and now it's that three there's and a half or something. That I don't think necessarily guys. the problem is that they're doing that. I think the, the problem is it's inconsistent and they don't apply. Well, it the to point other is, is that if you're def- if you're in a good defensive formation, whether it's man or zone, and the NBA allows zone now, if you're in a good defensive position, that defense is put into place to stop a guy from getting to a certain point. And if you don't have to dribble the ball after a certain point, then you can defeat those defenses easily. It's because they allow so the So then what step. they do is they allow that. Or maybe it's a Euro I, step. I, I do hate yeah. the fact that the game – I don't think that the rules are as carefree as Ross is making them to be, but I do hate the fact that the game is ruled differently or officiated differently if your name is LeBron James versus Evan Fournier. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, you're that playing is under true. two sets of yeah. rules. That's absolutely true. And you I hear, mean, Kenneth, Kenneth Fareed does not get the benefit of that. Yeah, and you, and you hear the announcers all the time four say... four or five steps or four and a half steps. Yeah, and you hear like announcers say, well, you know, this time next year when he really proves himself, he'll get that call. And it goes, yeah, what does that mean? He'll get, he'll get that call? He should get it now. He's you, know, paying- he, you know what's offensive is that Carmelo Anthony, when he was in Denver, would get pounded the crap out of in the, in the middle. I mean, they, they would just that is true. Found the, foul the crap out of him, and they would never call it. And then he goes to New York, and suddenly they're calling that. Well, that, that is what offends me. I used to whine about that all you the know time. What? That's a good point. <laughs> and you know what? Unfortunately for uh, Carmelo Anthony, he went to New York, and he thought he was going to get an L.A. Yeah. Laker calls. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he did not. Yeah, no, he did And not. he did not. And, yeah. and Carmelo Anthony is one of the shining examples of this. Mm-hmm. And it's a reason why people should all be a little bit wary about how the game is called is because even Carmelo Anthony in New York City can't get those calls. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I've watched those games. Mm-hmm. He does not get the same calls that Kobe does or even LeBron gets. He doesn't. New York is not considered a great basketball city anymore. And, and it's amazing, have, isn't and, it? And that franchise is is not getting the respect it deserves. I mean, the same way Denver does you, it. You think New York should get better calls is what you're I'm saying? I'm saying all teams <laughs> you're just should saying get we the, same. the same. Yeah. All teams should get the same. You but know, all I'm saying is just watching yes. the, the, Scott the transition says. from Denver to New York when Carmelo Anthony probably thought that he was going to go to New York and start getting those uh, superstar calls. Yeah. He didn't get him. Didn't you know what? I, what's interesting him. is that the Knicks' decline has been unbelievable since Ewing was there. I think once Ewing left, they just they became an irrelevant franchise, and they've been wallowed in that irrelevancy since then. Yeah, but the problem with the Knicks too is, as we're finding out right now, is those bastards are only three games out of the playoff picture. It's unbelievable. You know, with like twenty left, and Atlanta's in a free fall. I mean, Jesus, they're. They're f- they have five less losses, but I mean, did the Pistons lose tonight? It's just terrible. I don't know. I don't know. See, if if the Pistons lost, then uh, I mean, but both they're just, they're, the, the Knicks are chasing both of those guys. But I mean, it's I mean, kind of been I'm, a nightmare scenario where it looks like now Denver's most realistic chance at that at that lottery pick is it could very well be their own because Knicks at, Knicks are twenty five wins, Denver's at twenty seven. I know you're supposed to look at losses. Knicks have forty, Denver has thirty six, but. Man, I mean, the Knicks putting it together and, and going on a, a four-game win streak here sucks ass for Nuggets fans. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is what you get for outsourcing your tanking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I haven't heard that. That's great, outsourcing your tanking. Yeah, it's, you know, we've yeah. outsourced the tanking to the New York Knicks and, like, didn't take into account that they actually do have Carmelo Anthony on their team. They should have outsourced it to the Bucks. <laughs> is what they should have done. Yeah, they should have. That, that would have been a little more efficient. But, you know, that's the problem. And, and, you know, the Nuggets, I don't think, are going to lose enough to make it really difference, make a difference at all. I don't th- know if you do, but. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, the Nuggets are probably most likely going to have, like, the 10th or 11th pick in this draft. Let's just see who has less losses than them. One, two, three, four teams in the West. And then, two, three, four, eight teams. So they're at, the, like, the 13th pick right now. That's unbelievable. That sucks. That's not good. That is unbelievable. And the Nuggets hurt themselves a little bit because they went on a, a mini win streak themselves, right? Won a couple. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I need to talk about this. I I came this, to the I, I I'm little. The Brian Shaw is playing Ty Lawson far too many minutes. Even Chandler, Chandler and Lawson, and even Foy. I mean, you're seeing starters playing 45 plus minutes. Okay, like, this is this is getting insane. If the Nuggets are not going to make the playoffs, they need to ratchet back the minutes on these guys because this is getting. They're increasing their odds for injury every game they play. Have you thought about maybe they aren't playing with the types of guys that they want to play with next season, and they don't really care about whether or not they get injured? <laughs> We've thought about that a lot, but the, about the, other, the other side of it is, <laughs> you know, I mean, why, why do you want to win 30 games this year when you need to win 12? You know I mean? Yep. If, if you're not, I don't know, if you're not going to be in the playoffs, then you want to have as many losses as possible. I don't Interesting. Know. It's, it's funny. 
from a fan perspective, from the team perspective, you don't ever want to bring losing culture into your locker room or let your team get in a bad place or as bad of a place as it could be. Like, you know, the Nuggets next year could be a pretty decent team with, you know, some of the injured guys coming back, whatever kind of draft pick they may make, whatever trades, free agency. I mean, they could be right back in it next year. So you don't ever want to say, well, yeah, they should, they should be the Bucks this year at 13 wins and be a complete mess for the next 10 years. Yeah, it just worries me then. But the Nuggets are relying more on their own record or the Knicks? Well, we were just talking about this. It's, uh, what the Knicks, Jeff has a good, good term for it. Jeff, whatever. take it away. Um, this is, the Nuggets are, are suffering from the uh, old axiom of that you should never outsource your tanking. <laughs> <laughs> should have kept it in-house. Should have kept it in-house. They, you, know, you always control your own destiny. And the, Nug- and the Knicks are only three, three games out from the eighth spot in the, in the uh, East. Yes. Well, let me put it this way. I don't think that the Nuggets team necessarily needs to, and Nuggets fans need to rely on the Knicks because it's true. the the picks that are important, maybe they're not 1 through 8. Maybe it's 12 through 15. Maybe it's 12 through 18, something like that. Yeah, you like we'll think as fans that you need to have you know a top five pick in order to get a difference maker, but you can go back through the NBA draft and say, wow, you know Kobe Bryant wasn't a top ten pick. Wait, you know, Paul pick Pierce was, wasn't a top. What pick 10 was pick. Kobe? Thirteen. Thirteen to Charlotte, right? Yeah. yeah, and I don't know what Kevin Garnett was. He wasn't top three, was he? Wasn't he like at least four down? He, oh man, came out of high school, right? Well, uh, ninety-five. Who yeah. was the guy who got picked ahead of Carmelo Anthony? Uh, Darko. And Darko. Darko he won a championship. That's right. He won a championship. <laughs> he did. He got it right. And uh, Carmelo Anthony never did. <laughs> All right. Garnett was a fifth pick in his draft. So, I mean, so he Darko pick. won a championship. And, you know, and actually, the reason Carmelo we have this, never has. You know, Kevin Garnett is largely the reason we have the structure in the NBA we do right now. It's because he signed a ridiculous contract, I believe. I think it was either the 94. Five ninety. Didn't Weber do something like that too? Like yeah. a ninety-nine million dollar contract with the like bullets. A 10 year. Yeah, and, crazy. And the the NBA was like, well, we got to put some caps on these uh, salaries, and that the that's really the reason we have those is because of those those players. But um, in in the sense that you're right, you know, the Nuggets in '96 traded away their they had the 13th pick in, no 10th pick in the draft, and they traded it away because Bernie Bickerstaff didn't think that there was any really valuable players. Well, it turns out that a whole bunch of Hall of Famers were drafted <laughs> right where the Nuggets traded. So, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's so, like you know, it's weird. Bernie Bickerstaff <laughs> is not a GM of a team right now. <laughs> yeah, it's strange, right? After he burned the Nuggets to cinders. <laughs> but we've been we've been talking about that last few podcasts, even of you know how how do you go about trying to make a selection of a kid where you're, you're not only trying to find a good player, but you're trying to find somebody that can be you know, an obsessive winner and somebody that's going to help change your locker room around, that's going to, you know, some guy that's going to come in next year if yeah. Ty Lawson's you know, lollygagging in practice is going to say, hey, Ty, get your ass back here. Like, we're trying to, you know, trying to do something here. Like, that's the kind of guy the Nuggets need, the guy that's going to come in and tell the best players now, you know, hey, get in line. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm running this ship, but, but how do you is that find possible? that? Is that even possible to have a guy out of the draft, a rookie? And you heard that? and you heard Ty that say possible? that he wasn't comfortable doing that when he first came into the league. No, and, you know how long is that going to take? And I mean, how long is it taking Ty Lawson to be the type of player he is now? Right. I mean, 
how long has it been? Like he's still he's still reaching five new years. heights in his five career. Years? Five yeah. years. Is it only five? I feel like it's been eight. But two thousand nine is when he came in. And you hear those stories of I always reference the Kevin Garnett story of in Boston where he yelled at Paul Pierce during practice that Scott Hastings told on the air one time on one hundred four three the fan and it was like, wow, that's crazy to think that Garnett and one of his you know training camp practices with the Celtics was comfortable enough to yell at you know Laker great Paul Pierce, but he felt no hesitation. And Lake, it's like Laker great, Celtic great, <laughs> God, whoever the hell he is, he's from. LA. <laughs> Podcast a mess. He's bro. from Inglewood. Yeah, but I, I just don't know how you go about finding you know that type of guy where you know had the had, I, I said it with Sandy and Les. It, if the Hornets knew who Kobe Bryant was, would they have traded him for Vlade Divac? That is that is the sixty four million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, there's there's a lot of hindsight that goes on with the draft. There's a really a lot of hindsight because. You know, people were upset that the Nuggets didn't get the first prick in the pick in the um, two th- first prick. They got the first, first prick, prick in that draft. Yeah, and <laughs> took <the>, Melo. <laughs> prick was out of here. I fast. think they did get the first prick. People were. <laughs> LeBron was the first prick. For first prick in the draft. People were upset when the we got the, a second prick. The Nuggets lost seventy-one games in ninety-eight, and they got, didn't get the first pick in the draft. Well, it turned out to be Michael Olo Candy. And then you're like, oh, well, okay. He was the consensus number one, but he turned out to be an, an enormous bust. And the draft is littered with Michael Olavacandis. Yeah, you almost don't <laughs> want the first yep. pick. Maybe, maybe you want Unless the, it's like the LeBron Maybe draft. you want the ninth or eighth. <laughs> yeah. You never know what you want, and it's, it's going to be. But like, like, like we said, even when LeBron was picked, uh, you know, he didn't end up winning a championship for that team. My, my Melo was better when he came first into the NBA than LeBron was, and then you know LeBron Carmelo was yeah. fantastic. He was a fantastic player. He, he changed the whole thing in the city. I, I will always say that he was never the guy that we wanted. But let's see the other guy. Who's the other guy? He's the other guy. Not the guy, but he's the other guy. I think there's a lot downplayed too about how good of a team Kiki Vandeweghe built when Melo first came in. I mean, there were so many new guys. Earl Boinkins was new. Um, Andre Miller was new. Marcus Camby is finally healthy. You had Nene. They put pieces around him to where, you know, a lot of people remember, oh, yeah, Carmelo really took this team somewhere. And it's like, no, that team really went somewhere. That's a good point. Yeah, but that team without Melo ain't winning shit. Yeah, but screw. Yeah, I mean, but, I, but like, just Melo but wasn't know, winning I, shit either. Look at LeBron yeah, but, that yeah, first screw, game. But no, yeah, it's <laughs> it's the it's the same Phil Jackson conversation we had earlier in in basketball. There's hard. It's it's hard to determine which piece is the most important. Sometimes you can find that most important piece, like Michael Jordan, but you have to have the right combo around him. Phil Jackson, Horace Grant, Pippen, in order you to think maximize Phil Jackson all that coaching time. that team instead of George Carl wins championship. God damn it! I think that might I think be George great. gets some rings. <laughs> I think I'm coming back around on the Phil know. Jackson thing. <laughs> you know, listen, guys. Phil uh, Jackson. George the, the, the might have played Jordan Kiki's, at center. In that Kiki's series. biggest mistake <laughs> was not. Allowing the development to go into the neck to, to Melo's first year, his I think he div- he wanted to win too quickly, and the Nuggets could have standed st- stood standed stood to develop a little further. Idiosyncrasies. <laughs> we, we have they didn't just really all have any other. <laughs> they didn't have much young talent besides Melo and Nene. No, but they needed to get another Nene. Oh the my next God. the next We're draft was the Dwight it. Howard draft. Nene was the worst, you know, and and you know, then then the one in two thousand five, I think, was Darren Williams and Chris Paul. But that's the thing the Nuggets might have now, right? I mean, they might get, you know, somewhere they're going to get a lotto pick this year. Who knows where it's going to be next year? I don't know if they're going to be any good or not. 
if Carmelo leaves the Knicks, are the Knicks going to be in shambles to where the Nuggets can trade picks with them in 2016 where they, they say, hey, you know, we have the 15th pick, but, you know, hey, New York, we're going to take your second pick. So, the, I mean, the Nuggets might have a window right now in the next three years where they have a chance to get three pretty special young players. Maybe. At least maybe two out of those three years. And then they can hang around and then go to Miami or L.A. or – or we could be the Thunder or the Spurs. <laughs> the Thunder or the Spurs. Yeah, but the Thunder. You, uh, but this glass is half full. <laughs> let, let me tell you something about the Thunder. Half full means as other soon teams. as as soon as Kevin other Durant, mid-market, uh, <laughs> other mid-market uh, cities. As soon as Kevin Durant's contract is open uh, up, he's not staying in Oklahoma City. Well, if if he resigns, yeah, we then should get Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant resigns with the Thunder coming up, then we can say, okay, he's a he's a good guy. But if he leaves, then yeah, he's no different than Melo Lebron. Oh, what if he comes to Denver? I'll buy his jersey the day <laughs> he signs his contract. You know, I I had not. I mean, I I had followed Kevin Durant's uh, career, and and I was a fan. But then when I watched him in person a couple months ago, I I can't picture a better player than that guy. That guy lives at the free throw line. Oh no, but that guy is so. God damn good. He's good. He's he good. Lives at the I forgot you line. went to the Thunder Nuggets game. And by the way, that. he doesn't travel four times every time he picks up the ball. He just he travels take, three times. He doesn't take four steps. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that'll end up the, this podcast here. Yeah, that was an interesting um, uh, basketball uh, conversation. We got uh, a lot of stuff coming. I don't know if anything made sense. We got, uh, <laughs> that was kind of a stream of consciousness uh, conversation there. Well, we did cover the Broncos uh, free agent uh, uh stuff and uh the uh other stuff going on with the nuggets and Dude, Durant averages 9.9 free throws a game that's nothing it's probably leading the league is it <laughs> might be <laughs> that's a lot though <laughs> tj ward guys gonna bring the broncos all the way back to the <laughs> super bowl this year tj ward and we've now begun the tj ward era in broncos history yeah it's here <laughs> tj ward is here and we'll be back Next Next week, week. talking sports.